local bar podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, look at it right in the heart of Rosewood, this local bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, everywhere you get your good and bad podcasts. You can ask your Alexa, your Siri, all the ladies in your life to play us. They know how to contact us. Uh, you can uh, keep up with us, Facebook, local me- local bar media, but the newest way, because <laughs> I've finally done my homework. It's up and running. Uh, localbarmedia.com is where you can go to find out more about this and our other show, Welding a Family. Uh, and if you want to reach me for either show, the easiest thing to do, put this in your phone, uh, chad at localbarmedia.com. That was a um, the, uh, the, the big bridal show. This is a big bridal show they have here, like at the state fairgrounds. We have all this... This huge area that has you know tons of like people coming and putting on like uh, different meetings and have booths you know like corporate type events. They have a big wedding one every year, and this is probably mid two thousands. There was this spot that ran uh, on the local radio station, and it was it, it couldn't have been more pandering uh, to, <laughs> to young women at the time. And it had this girl. She's, I'll never forget the copy. It started off with like, so you got the ring. Now what do you do? Well, you go to the South Carolina bridal show. And it's just it's so nuts. And it was like, at the end, she's like, okay, so put this in your phone. Because we'd all just like <laughs> really had just gotten cell phones that did anything. Or smartphones. I don't know. Uh, but yes, chad at localbarmedia.com. That's where you can uh, Shoot us a message about stuff you like, stuff you don't like, all that kind of jazz. Really stoked about the interview I have today. Really cool guy. Uh, Joel Dollinger is going to join me. Dollinger? Oh, God. Professional podcaster. He and I even sat and talked about how you pronounce his name for like five minutes. I even messed it up in the interview. (laughs) Sorry, Joel. Joel is a comedian here in town who has a great story. And uh, is doing a lot to help promote uh, comedy in this area, which is near and dear to my heart. But he's got it at one of the coolest places in Columbia. If you're passing through um, on Thursday nights and on Sunday brunch, he's got uh, he's got a, a comedy show that goes on. You have to check this out. But not only that, I love hearing Joel's uh, message that he brings about what he did to kind of get where he is. Uh, and his thoughts on on quite a few other things. One of the best, this is a really great interview. I, I'm looking forward to bringing that to you here in a few minutes. At the top of the show, I have to give a shout out. Soda City Barbers. I don't know in my entire adult life that I've found um, a better place to go get a haircut. I, I heard about them through my buddy uh, Chris Miller, who I do all the camping adventures with. And he found them by accident. You don't need to wait for an accident to find Ed and his buddy. They are on Santee Street. They are in, they just moved. I'm not sure of the exact address, but in Five Points on Santee Street, Santee Avenue, I believe, right there where the Hootie, the Hootie statue is. Um, 
they're inside what is game day nutrition right there. So you 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 turn if you're coming from five points, turn right, go go in uh, down Santee. They're on the left. You got to go see them. One of the best barber shops. Really cool dudes. Know what the heck they're doing. One of the best prices I I've gotten in a long time for a haircut. Not to say it ain't worth it. This ain't no lower end haircut. They do a great job. All the best tools. Really cool guys. Check them out. If you are looking for a barber, I'm going to tell you about that. They they do not know that I'm saying this. They did not pay me for this. They uh they are really cool guys in that shop. Both of them veterans. Awesome place to go. Go check it out. Soda City Barbers. Really cool guys. You can tell them that Chad sent you, but they're gonna be like, uh, who? Um, but yeah, go check them out if you are in the five points area. I heard uh, a story that uh, that blew me away. There's a new story out of Virginia. Uh, you may have heard it, may not, but I, I have to. You know, we're all about the 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 late breaking uh, news here on the local bar. Is a couple of convicts that pulled like a Shawshank. They uh, used their toothbrushes. I mean, this this, this is sounds. It already sounds like. Uh, something from Arrested Development, like it, 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 it. They used their toothbrushes, made them somehow into digging tools. I don't know what kind of Flintstone thing they had, but they, it, hey, it worked. They were able to dig out of the prison, crawl under a bunch of stuff. I don't, I don't know how Shawshank uh, exact it was, but they they crawled through a bunch of stuff, got to some like impossible to climb fence and somehow with the use of their cunning and guile and teamwork, they were able to scale that fence and get away. Scott free. Got out of dug out of prison. Got away. And then they got caught, which I guess that doesn't really surprise me. I mean it's one thing to get out. It's a heck of a it's a heck of a thing to get out of prison, but you really don't outrun radar. And uh, that that's, uh, as anybody who watched Smoking the Bandit will tell you. So I, I think that um, I, I'm really impressed with what they did, but how they got caught kind of ruined it. They got caught at a huddle house. Now you're making your great escape, and uh, you just can't pass up, pass up that Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity. I... I that's a, uh, you might, you, you might just wait a day. You may lay low before you go hit the the huddle house. Maybe you can get away with it in the Waffle House. Waffle House is kind of the Wild West. And quite quite frankly, I think the better option between the two. That's It's my preference. I understand. I think this, I, I had a friend of mine tell me today, never knew this was a thing, that if you go to Waffle House, ask them to put your waffle on the griddle. Now, I, I, asked her, I was like, what are you talking about? Is that, that's, they're all those pancakes. She's like, no, put it in the, the cast iron thing that they cook it in and then tell them to put it on the griddle and you, I, I swear you won't ever get it another way. And she told me that she, she lives, I think she lives over in Atlanta or Augusta or somewhere like that. And she told me that she's been traveling around with her kids a lot uh, over the past week. She's had that three times this week. I, I don't know that she has the, the healthiest lifestyle, but, um, I'll take her word on that. But here's the thing. Not only did they get caught in the huddle house, all right, because that's bad enough, they were still wearing their orange jumpsuits. 
Now, I, I don't know that that maybe they thought, well, we'll just go in here because I'm dying for a real meal. Oh, I, I get it. I completely get it. I don't know what they were in prison for or how long they were in prison. But but I I, kinda, I get that. Uh, dying for a meal. See, the IHOP, man, I haven't had that in so long. Okay, go in. And if you think, well, we'll get a booth towards the back. So that way when the cops drive by, they won't see our orange jumpsuits. As if the people in there aren't going to see your orange jumpsuits and immediately call the law. I mean, I don't I don't know how many brilliant people get put into prison every year. And I'm not judging. But still. That surprised me a little bit. At the same time, uh, as I was sitting there uh, thinking last night about a couple of things, and I came across that story. At first, it it kind of blew me away, um, but then it <laughs> it made me pause for a second, and I realized there's a there's a pretty good lesson in there. More on that in a few minutes, but first. I want to bring you this uh, great interview with Joel. Uh, he is, like I said, uh, the proprietor, if you will, of the comedy that is done at The Aristocrat. I talked about it, I believe, on the last show, or maybe the one before that, because I had gone and checked it out. Um, Joel's a really cool guy, a very funny guy. I just, uh, you know, it's nice seeing a lot of um, original humor. Yes, all the comedians that I see, it's, it's all pretty original. But he he's got he's just one of those that when you when you talk to him you can see that his comedy comes from a really learned place. Uh, but his story will, will kind of surprise you. Uh, so I really enjoyed my time with him. I know you will too. And I will talk to you on the other side of this break. recently and um, I think uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing is finding out more about the the comedy that exists in Columbia you've heard me say on the show quite a few times that I, I think that there is uh, a lot more comedy and some incredible comedians in this town than I had originally thought and I came across this bar called the aristocrat and if you're an old-school comedian of course that would be the name of a place where they do open my comedy uh, but I found this place and came and, and, and enjoyed the time immensely and ran into the guy that was running the, the, the open mic and uh, thought he was incredibly funny. And he has agreed to uh, take time out of his professional comedy career and enjoy me and, and join me today on the show. Whew, Mr. Joel Dollinger. Did I get that right? Dollinger, Dollinger. Uh, Dollinger, I, yeah. I can't even get that right. That's how terrible <laughs> I am at this. So, Joel, how are you doing, man? Thanks for thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, you know, just another day in paradise. <laughs> right. Now, how did you... So, this 
this bar used to be something else before it was the aristocrat. Oh, what yes, yes. Everyone still thinks of it as Kelly's. Kelly's, that's it. Yeah. That's right. But that's been uh, maybe a decade now. Has it been that long? Um, yeah. Now it's changed hands as the aristocrat several times. Okay. Um, and it's been the aristocrat for a while. But, yeah, a lot of people it's still kind of identify with that and think yeah. of it as the uh, old late night service industry coke bar yeah that it that's was. right that's, that's right <laughs> yeah and it was very obvious that's what it was when you walked in here like oh it, yeah to, the smell on the outside you can tell yeah it, uh, people yeah people that were expecting that they come in here and be like they just do a double take you know <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks very different it's a lot nicer yeah. now I will say that that was one of the, the things when I came to this because it had been forever. I just I haven't been by here, which is funny because this building is in a a very nice place. You're not completely on downtown, so getting uh, parking is not bad. So shout out to the aristocrat for what they not that they planned that, but that's a really nice thing. But the bartenders, I mean, that for, when I came in, they were fantastic. Yeah. They're some really good. They they one of the best old fashions. I even talked about that on the show the next day. I was like, one of the best old fashions I had in a while. So they they do a really good job with this joint. I really I really am impressed with it. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, uh, the bartender makes the bar, right? That's right. That's and right. Um, yeah, the craft cocktails here are really good. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been doing uh, uh, open mic here? Um, so we started our first comedy show here in January, um, and we started with the Sunday comedy brunch and the Thursday open mics. Um, so uh, just a couple months now. Okay, all right, gotcha. So you and I were talking before the show, and I thought it was uh, <laughs> incredibly interesting. You you you've got a great style to you, very very comfortable up on the stage. It's, it's very obvious. But you've only been doing stand up comedy for you said about a year and a half. Well, I mean for. for from a, we'll call it a professional point of view. I mean, I think most comedians go their whole lives being comedians. They just don't know it yet. But you started about a year and a half ago, but you did training. You did corporate training for a bank. Correct. And so you, so that's where you got this great public speaking style. And yep. then you've transitioned that into, into stand-up comedy. But the thing about it is, like, I think, okay, this guy's, this guy's doing training in a bank. It's dry as crap, but your, your, your style that you have is not. Well, and... I think you kind of need a dynamic style to present such dry material. Uh, okay. You know, Fair enough. Um, okay. it's yeah. a lot easier to get a laugh when I'm talking about uh, sex and poop, to be honest. <laughs> right, you know, right. but for me to get a laugh <laughs> the, when the we're talking about derivatives, you know, you really have to work for that one. Yeah. Actually. You've really got to love economic <laughs> theory to laugh at those jokes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but um, I actually started stand-up comedy because I was going to Dragon Con, and I, my cosplay was Bo Burnham. Yeah. a comedian known for playing the piano yeah. and I bought a little guitar and I had learned some of his songs and it's like it wasn't really a costume without the songs it was really just a flannel shirt and it's <laughs> okay. like Bo Burnham yeah. inside white right. woman's Instagram it's like that that was the, the visual costume it was a beard and a shirt okay so it was like without the songs it wasn't really the costume and I thought um, I'm going to be nervous playing these songs in front of all these people at Dragon Con there's 80,000 people yeah, at Dragon sure, Con yeah. now yeah. they're not there to see me but still I was like this is going to make me nervous I'm going to go out to the open mic at Art Bar for the Tuesday Comedy Open Mic and do my songs. Um, I didn't bring, bring the right chord, so nobody oh could God. hear the guitar. I forgot everything that I thought I memorized as soon as I got under the lights. <laughs> so I ended up reading someone else's song off my phone. Like, you know, like singing it with no musical accompaniment, but like, you know... Um, 
it bombed for all the reasons that it should have. Yeah, it was sure, unoriginal. Yeah. It, I was it unprepared. Sounds, surprised that it bombed. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, so, um, but for some reason, after I got back from Dragon Con, I was like, I'm going to try this again. And I wrote my own jokes, and I did this shtick where it's like I'd play um, a theme song for a superhero on the guitar. Okay. And then I'd get the audience to guess whose theme song it was. Like, you know, Yeah. So oh, that, that'd be Batman, yes. And yes, then I'd yes. tell my Batman joke. Gotcha. Right? Right. And the, the shtick kind of went like that. And it, that went well enough that I was like, I'm going to do this forever. Right. And so, <laughs> and so a legend was built there. So that's, that's interesting. I, I love the fact that you were going to go full on at Dragon Con. Not, not, I mean, yeah, obviously you're not headlining Dragon Con, but everybody that's there pays attention to everybody. I mean, that, that's, that's part of the reason. It's, you know, Dragon Con is more about seeing your friends or running into new, new friends and seeing people... Uh, especially with all the cosplay and stuff that goes on there, that's pretty bold to say that you want your first big step to be. Uh, so uh, I'm glad you gave the art bar a shot before you went to Dragon Con and tried that. That's, that's uh, me, too. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me <laughs> too. So you, uh, you know, we've ta- I've talked about it on the show before. I've had Topher Riddle and, and Ali Johns on recently, and um, you know we've talked about the the comedy here in Columbia. And I, I've said, and I've I've, I've worn this out, and I, I don't I don't want to get too far into this, but I, I, I tell people. It reminds me, um, years ago when I talked to Mark Rapp, uh, the big jazz ambassador for South Carolina, about when he came to South Carolina and, and really wanted to do jazz and have jazz every night in this town. And essentially, you, you can find that. But one of the things that he was shocked at is when he got here, it wasn't because of lack of jazz musicians. He said there were world-class jazz musicians in Columbia, and he, he can't explain why. It seems like I think our art um, community... In, in Colombia is a little bit more robust than what people think because it seems like a lot of it is kind of underground. I, I think it's 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 become very true to me that that's the case in comedy. We have we have incredible comedians here in town, and so we seeing really more and more of the open mics like kind of come out has been uh, has been really nice to see. I'm curious though, as a guy that does these open mics, uh, not only goes to them but hosts them. What do you think it does for the for the comedians to be able to kind of collaborate together, you know, work together, go to open mics, steal each other's material, bounce ideas off of each other, all these things that comedians do? Can you tell a difference? And we'll say in the past two or three years, I guess maybe since everything's opened up from COVID, that maybe the the comedian um, community here in Columbia has gotten better because of so many open mics and so much activity in them do you, do you think something like that goes on oh a hundred percent um so like i have a regimen where i'll go to um several open mics a week and it's like i'll start on monday at the joint and um it'll be kind of very rough draft um, so i might have to read some of it off my phone i'll probably change some of it by the time i make it to art bar on tuesday and then uh, by the time i host my own open mic on thursday it should be pretty good and then uh sunday when I do my comedy brunch, which is a little bit, you know, I want that to be more polished. Yeah. Then, you know, it's really like choice, ready to go. And it's like, um, you know, trying to come out with like, you know, more new material that way. Um, but there's no way I could come out with new material every week without having that opportunity to test it and train it. And like the, um, a lot of these guys will go to the same open mic. So I'll hear them uh, and yeah. tell their jokes and I'll hear them progress and, I, and hear that joke get better. Yeah. And it's like where, oh, that was a solid premise, but you hadn't found the tagline for it yet. And um, we, um, I've, I've really 
um, tried to create a culture where we are collaborating. I hosted a, a comedy workshop because, of course, I come from corporate training. And, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I have all this experience. Of course, you with, have to have a workshop. Yeah. Of course. So, there's a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> in there. There's no um, way there's not. So we didn't do a PowerPoint presentation. We just had people go up and do their bit. And then it was in front of, you know, maybe half a dozen comedians, a small uh, collection of us. And then we would all give feedback on um, how they did, um, how would we change it. Um, everybody said they got something from it, maybe to punch up their joke a little bit. And, or, or sometimes, one of them uh, it was just like restructuring. Like huh. he was telling this story about um, uh, just like a sad dolphin and um, Trudeau. Um, Jacques Cousteau? No, no. Uh, Trudeau from the Canadian Prime, uh, Minister? Prime Minister. Yeah, okay. Uh, Justin Trudeau, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had this story about Justin Trudeau and the story about a sad dolphin that he was like putting together like this is a bit. Okay. And then he's got this other story about like a, um, a, a racist financial advisor in Canada. Oh, and the, the, the one about Justin Trudeau was President Trudeau doing blackface. So it's like it was those two really fit in and he didn't have them together. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway. Um, to, to give you an idea of some of the some of the, <laughs> the topics, the you know, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you're, you're listening. It's like this guy clearly needed help with uh, his <laughs> yeah. comedy. Yeah, um, David Dowdy, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. his, um, it's he's, he can be all over the place, and that's part of the appeal. I feel like also of his comedy. Um, but oh my he, god! Right now, I feel like, I, and I don't know if you just planted this in my head, but I feel like I've seen him do something about a sad dolphin. Oh, I don't know if there's just probably Trudeau. have. I, um, I think I have heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm glad he's not doing that with the Justin Trudeau <laughs> black blackface face. bit. I feel like um, <laughs> the sad dolphin story was sad enough. Um, but it, but it, uh, that was an example of just uh, one of the comedians saying like just how to restructure their jokes in a different way from the workshop that was you know yeah. um, and and things like that. Um, but yeah, like I definitely think that it's important to elevate the community that you're in. You know, yeah. it's like we all rise together. You know. Yeah. Um, and um, what, what's that like? You know, I I I've heard. Um, I think I think I was talking once. It's Chad Prather. Uh, who does um, he, he tours around does comedy um, and he's like he's like one of the if, if you don't know him he does like he's like he's not on the blue collar comedy tour but he's kind of like that and he told me one time about how um, competitive almost to a caddy level a, a, a lot of comedians are I don't I don't see that at least in the ranks that I see here in Columbia I, and I don't really hear that kind of talk it is more of a supportive kind of all-inclusive thing is that the case or, or do you see the competitiveness and the cattiness that can come up you know um, I've had a really good experience with um, everyone really um, being a member of that community and wanting to help other people out um, you know I would say the the worst behavior I had seen is somebody maybe being a little self-serving, but definitely never catty. You know what yeah. I mean? And even, uh, I, I would say, um, I think we all recognize that building that community up should come first and before any of us, because without that, um, then that, I mean, that's the framework we There's all nothing. work off of, yeah. right? Yeah. So. I think everybody recognizes that and works really well together. Like um, a lot of the comedians will be in different shows and it won't always be like that same little goof troop that's always going around together, but it, it'll be a mix and like we'll all work with each other. Um, I don't know. 
Um, well, I don't have anybody on, on my blacklist. On your thing, maybe, right? maybe I just haven't been doing it long enough. Maybe you're getting duped this whole time. You <laughs> but no uh, when I've been booking people for shows, I've never had them say, well, I wouldn't, wouldn't do a show if he's on it. You right. know what I mean? I, I've never had anyone say that. And a lot of times I'll get, you know, oh, do you have any spots? I got a buddy, you know, oh, sure. much more friendly, inclusive. There's people that they're trying to help out. You know, definitely we don't view each other as competition. Gotcha. You know, uh, view each other as peers and especially... Uh, since I started booking shows, you know, people have been very friendly. Oh, hell yeah. That's a way to open door. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> right. You know, that was, was a great way to make some friends. Right, right. You know, just yeah, start paying people. I'm, you know, I was a lonely guy until I started hosting <laughs> shows for people. Yeah, I, um, so when you're talking about preparing for the show and how, how cool, and I had thought about that, about how having so many different open mics lets you workshop and, and develop stuff. So when I, years ago when I decided I wanted to finally try stand up, um, I had, you know, there were a couple open mics, and within a day or two, I put some materials together for, you know, five minute, uh, five minute deal. And my wife saw me do that. Now I've been talking about getting back into it again and writing stuff, and I spent a lot of time writing. And my wife said, "Why don't you just go do it?" I'm like, "No, I got, I got lucky the first couple of times." Like, and she, it, it drives her crazy. And like, you, have, you have no idea how much writing and preparation goes. I, don't get me wrong. We all go to open mics and see the people just winging it. Sure, but. How you much, don't want to be that you guy. You don't ever want to be that guy, right? <laughs> but how much, you know, how much writing and preparation goes into that? I think people would be surprised. Given your background of really having to prepare to not bore the socks off people in, 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 a, in a company, but not only that, to actually get the material that you were, quote unquote, teaching these folks, that, that had to serve as a great lesson for you in preparing for comedy. Do you, do you, do you spend just as much time uh, preparing your comedy as you would like a workshop that you were going to have to teach in the corporate world or oh, probably more really really yeah <laughs> um in the corporate world i can just read it off the page whereas like when i'm trying to memorize it so that it's all coming directly from my soul into the microphone that's a lot harder yeah and um, in the corporate world i'm preparing words that somebody else had prepared sure. for me sure <laughs> um whereas you know i'm coming up with all the content myself too so i would say uh, you know yeah put uh, a lot more effort into a five-minute open mic bit than I would for eight hours of facilitating in a day. Why is it that people, like, when you look at, like, sketch comedy, for for instance, people, I don't know if people have seen just jokes about it on TV or all this sketch comedy, not sketch comedy, what am I thinking? Improv, improv. Like, all the improv classes that are out there, and people associate improv with, wow, there's a lot of training that you have to do for that. But for some reason, that, that doesn't, that doesn't equate to people when you look at stand-up. Is it just because the style seems more conversational that people would think that it, it that all that work doesn't go into stand-up? Or, or, or what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that if something appears too polished, it's not f as funny. So a lot of times we will try to make it seem as if it isn't polished. But that's also something that... We're actually working at sure. doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but it can make it seem like, oh, he's just goofing. Oh, it's just easy, and it's like, um, but it's just like if you watched a master violinist pick up their instrument and they make it look easy, sure. right? And then you yeah. pick it up and realize, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't like, do that on its I'm own. I'm not suddenly Lindsey Sterling. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, but I do feel like. Um, just like a musician can get to a certain point where it's effortless for them and they could just like, you know, play by ear and just jam with another band and just work in and create music at the speed of sound. To get to the point that you can do that without preparation takes a lot of work. 
over yeah. years. And the same thing with comedy. Um, a lot of comedians will get good at crowd work and, um, and improv or two kind of things that you're making up on the spot, right? Sure. Um, but to get to the point where the stuff you're making up on the spot is good consistently, you've had to put a lot of, a lot work, of work into, into that. that. Now, but once you have... Now I don't have to do as much prep for everywhere. I can just go up there and like you know bumble about on stage and right. you know talk to people and um, you know uh, poke fun at everybody. I do think <laughs> that's a, it's an interesting analogy you make about musicians because you know one of the things that you know whenever whenever we're, like I play in a band and whenever we have a gig, one of the things that'll that'll happen is we'll um, we'll play we play a lot of cover songs. And to the untrained musician, you know, people will say, oh, that song was great. The whole time we're up there, like, man, I missed that chord. We didn't go back to this thing. We got a little off here. But as long as you're singing the songs that they know, they really don't pay attention. Now, the other musicians, they know everything. Like, they know every every mistake you make. So what will happen a lot of times is you'll end up playing for the musicians because you're not, and you'll judge whether your show was good or not over whether other musicians that you know are out there in the audience thought you did a good job or not. Who cares what the crowd thinks? Which is which is a shame, because I think you miss out on some of the praise that people should get. It's funny, you know, obviously when you're a comedian, you, you mess up a word, everybody knows the word was messed up. Or if you don't tell the punchline right, okay, it didn't land. But it doesn't seem like, I mean, when you do an open mic, there, there a lot of times there's tons of comedians there that are there to kind of hit the punching bag with you. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. I don't. Do, I would do, say the opposite. I was gonna say, is it that um, yeah. with comedians? I don't give a shit what the other comedians really? think. I only care what the audience thinks. Right. Um, and um, here's the thing: like, comedians are sociopaths that think everything is funny. <laughs> I need the audience to tell me what actually is, is it, funny. Is it? That's so it's like if I can get yeah. some comedians to laugh, I still might be taking way too dark of a turn with this yeah. material. Yeah. Um, and I need. I need regular people to give me feedback with right. their laughter as to whether I've crossed that line or not. What was that like? The first, because you know, you do a lot of open mics. They do tend to be other other comedians. When you did your first real show, um, what was that like for you? When all of a sudden you had like people, probably a little bit more in the palm of your hand, opening openly laughing. Like, was there a big difference? Did you feel yourself? Were you? Did you, did you feel freer having that kind of response, or was it was it the exact opposite? Well, um, I definitely have felt freer doing stand-up comedy rather than working for the bank. Okay, sure, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, the whole lifestyle um, is a lot more, you know, under my control and on my terms and, you know, um, and, and all of the things that you would think of that make up freedom at its core. Sure. I have those things now, so absolutely. But um, in, in response to specifically, like, getting that feedback from the audience, I mean, it's a drug. Yeah. You know, um, getting that validation. You say the things that are on your heart and you get that much uh, immediate visceral feedback from people. Um, that's an, um, that's a rush. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it felt great. You know, um, I'm still doing it. I'm still loving it. What? Um, it's funny when you get on stage and you're you're I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to guess, y'all, that you're probably better prepared than most other comedians you just seem to come across you, you, you got that very professional approach to it that, I've, that you have I've written down every word that I'm gonna say right. I've yeah. got a Google Drive that has every bit that I've ever done sometimes if I cut material I don't delete it it goes into that folder you know uh, yeah yeah there's the <laughs> so, but the, so, but the nerves that people have, you know what's what's the old saying I don't know if it's a saying but the old stat they used to throw around that like People were more afraid of public speaking than they were death or whatever like that. When you're up on stage and you trip up or you start to get in your own head, like for, for instance, a few minutes ago, 
when I was asking you a question, I ended with, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely freaking hate that. I hate it. I hate it when I say that. I have been thinking about that for the past three minutes while we've been talking. It will not leave my head. Like, I can't get it out of there. And I have to I have to will myself to not focus on that so that I'm actually listening to what you're saying. This is, this is the craziness that's in my head. That can come out for anybody when you're on stage. What kind of things do you do to kind of keep that from happening? Or did I just plant a seed in your head that's going to ruin your next show? I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. Um, so um, I have also prepared what I'm going to say when things go off the rails. Ah. Um, so, um, you know, um, if I have forgotten my material and I need to look at my phone, I've got like... I didn't get stoned and forget my jokes. You got stoned <laughs> okay. and forgot my jokes. That's a, you know, yeah, I, just, yeah. I have something I'm going to say. Sure. Make a, that's a great thing about being a comedian. If something dumb happens, that's funny too. And as long as you can laugh it off and be comfortable with the audience laughing at you instead of with your joke, then, yeah. you know, you can still put on a good show. That's So I've noticed something. You know, I've been, I've been a, a student of comedy since, since I was a kid, I used to, I would sit around and I'd take notes on, you know, uh, like Johnny Carson's timing. Uh, like there were things that I, I really kind of wanted to study and I hoped it would make me a better public speaker. I should be a much better public speaker than I am. Um, listen to a few shows and you'll see that I'm just not that great. But one of the things I've noticed though, over the past couple of years, I'm not saying this is a pet peeve outside of open mics. Cause again, that's, you're hitting the punching bag, you're, you're workshopping stuff. I've noticed that comedians will have, you know, have their phones because that has notes on them, or they will actually have notes. You, I, I never really saw that before, but I mean, and I don't mean like here around town or somebody going to do a quick set somewhere. I've seen more professional comedians do that. Is that a new thing, or have comedians been doing it all this time? And I just didn't know. Were they using teleprompters, and I just I wasn't aware of it? Do Do you know what? Are you? Um, I feel like I've become a lot more aware of it since I've started doing comedy myself okay um but so um, i'm not crazy in that it is something that you've do you think you've seen more of that lately um i mean when i see it in the live shows a lot but it's like when you see a netflix special you're not going to see that right right because um, i'm yeah. sure they have teleprompters and whatever yeah. else right yeah. um that make it invisible um but like when you don't have that type of technology and you're just like you know doing a show at the aristocrat or right. uh the lounge um you know, um, yeah, you're probably going to have to rely on uh, something a little bit less lower tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you do you like having uh, a backup system, or do you feel like you're kind of tied to it and you want to stay away from it? Um, well, I've written out every word that I want to say, and I want access to that in case I go just in case. Rails. Yeah, um, I might go down a rabbit trail and then not be able to find my way back. Or sometimes you just you know you get, the audience will say something that throws you for a loop, or you just. <laughs> Being in front of people, you just don't have things as memorized as well as you thought you did. Oh, yeah, sure. You know? yeah. Um, and it's easy for that all to just be, just farts right out of my ears. And yeah. It's gone. Um, and I need something to get me back. And sometimes I'll, I'll just have like um, uh, a very like one word, keyword. I've, I've broken it out into paragraphs and there's just one thing like this is the next part of the story. And it's just like one keyword to get me back on. I might have it written on the back of a receipt. You know, um, um, or sometimes I'll just have the whole thing that I've written out on my phone, depending on, you know, pull it up that way. But the, the more preparation I do, the less I have to pull that out. And I don't want to have to look at something during the show, but I want to have something to look at in case I have to. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> what, you know, when you're on, thinking about the way that you prepare and how you've written everything down, um, that creative spark, though, 
when it hits you on stage, uh, what's that like for you? For someone who's so in control of what's coming next, but all of a sudden you talked about like running down a rabbit hole, when all of a sudden you hit it and people are laughing and it's going well, what, what kind of rush does that feel like for you? Does it make you feel a little nervous because of someone who's so in control and so prepared? Or do you find yourself just being absolutely free and just like, forget it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing this? Oh, it feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, again, going back to the, it being a drug for me to get that type of validation, when you can do that from something that was spontaneous, sure, it, it feels even better. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, um, imagine like you normally have to work really hard, you know, um, to, to earn something. Like, you know, how many hours does it take to, for you to earn a thousand dollars? And you just found some on the ground, how would you feel? Oh, sure. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. when you're just a spontaneous moment and you didn't have to put in all that work for it and just like got it and it happened. And there's something magical about that too, right? Yeah. Um, and it is a different skill. Um, and I'm trying to kind of push the boundaries on. Um, not just being funny when I'm super prepared, right? I want to be funny spontaneously also, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so at, uh, just yesterday at the open mic, he talked about being in control of everything. But as soon as you hand that microphone to somebody, <laughs> you've, oh, just, given, you've yeah. just given them control. And uh, so at the, uh, uh, at the open mic, this guy... Um, really went off and was saying some abusive things to the audience you oh, know really? um can i cuss yeah yeah it's fine and he was like fuck you bitch and he said it really loud directly into the microphone and at was, somebody yeah at, oh. at the only person in the audience who wasn't a comedian oh, oh no <laughs> and it's like hey you know maybe if you weren't mean to him then we'd have more people sure yeah yeah you know, it's it a happy hour open mic it wasn't you know the biggest turnout the whatever um he wasn't happy about it he's throwing a tantrum about it and you know um he, uh, you know, cussed out somebody in the audience so so much that the bartender like dropped her cigarette because thinking that there was an altercation. In here oh, seriously! Oh my god! So um, yeah, ruined her cigarette break. Um, <laughs> ruined um, you know the, the, the chance of that day. member bringing a uh, that audience member bringing a friend back for the next <laughs> the next um, mic. So um, so then you know um, afterwards he he gets off stage immediately and as I, I jump up there and. It's like, thank you for getting off stage before I had to make you do yeah. it myself. Yeah. And that got the biggest laugh of the night, you yeah. know? Um, and it was like, um, and it, it did feel good to get like that, like an immediate laugh. But there was something about like, um, like comedy is tension and release, right? right. And um, like the laugh in that moment, I feel like was there was so much tension yeah. built from that situation already, right? Yeah. Um, and to break that tension and turn it into like a very uncomfortable situation into laughter um i i like having the power to redirect that type of energy in the world you know um and to turn um an an otherwise weird or sad situation into a a mirthful one um you know that that feel if i could have any superpower that would be that would be it yeah yeah, it's a good thing good thing you have it you know i I've, i've wondered about that there seems to be more people that are that are that are getting up and try. I don't know. It just seems like there's more people that are trying stand-up comedy. It, it may just be because social media has shined a light on a lot of folks that maybe I would have never known about. But it seems like we're getting more and more of that. I, I've wondered because of how tense the world can be in certain places, um, everywhere. But you know, we we find our, our politics now flows into everything. People identify based off who they voted for. And we've got this, where people are kind of just at each other's throats a little bit more than they ever were. And I've wondered if comedy 
if, that, if that's one of the reasons why it's it's getting more and more popular in my eyes because people are looking for that release from the tension. We can laugh at something, at least to an extent. There's some things we can't. There's some things we, we take to our core too, probably too seriously, but that's there. It seems like not only is there a ton of freaking material you can make fun of these days with the tension, but it seems like that release is very important. Do you see that from, from your standpoint? I mean, does it seem like more and more people are searching out comedy than they ever have before, whether it's to try it or go see it? Um, well, I don't know more than they ever have before. Um, first of all, I probably haven't been doing it long enough to give you a great perspective right. on that. But I mean, just like, I'm, I th- from the perspective that I have, um, as always a consumer of comedy, if nothing else, I feel like that's always something people have gravitated towards. Um, and I think... Um, what you're specifically talking about is the like um, like the tension that has built. I feel like perhaps the reason that people are seeking out comedy is yeah. different than they were previously, okay. and, and definitely the type of comedy sure. is different than what they wanted. And I think that speaks to uh, a greater overall tension that has been building lately, right? Yeah. That people didn't feel previously, um, and I don't know that I would say. Um, I mean, like every, everyone's always loved comedy, right? And yeah. It's just like we're, but we're seeking it out for different reasons. You know, if you're happy in your life, well, yeah, I want to laugh. Right. And if you're not, then I need to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say more the motivation than the than than a, than a difference overall of whether someone wants yeah, who, who doesn't want to laugh. Right? Sure. Yeah. Who doesn't need to? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Best so medicine. <laughs> you're gonna be at the lounge. We we deciphered that, right? The lounge yes. in Greenville. When are you doing that? So that's gonna be April the twelfth. So all right. So Greenville, South Carolina, April the twelfth at the lounge, which is yep. right downtown. Beautiful Greenville. Uh, what time do you get started? It's uh, seven thirty p.m. Now you're doing it on your own, or you got other people with you? Um, there's a group of other Columbia comedians. Uh, okay. So uh, Michael Garrick kind of put the show together and yeah. assembled a dream team of comics, and um, uh, then can't go himself okay so um he asked me to fill in for him because he was going to headline his own show yeah uh, but then when he wasn't able to go he tapped me to do that i was going to go on as a guest comic to the the show he had originally asked me to be on the show but i had my own show my own show ended up getting canceled which i told you about the venue yeah yeah um so um yeah when i lost that season well then i opened up and he's like well i already gave you spot to somebody else but you can come for free if you want and i was like <laughs> sure, sure sure i'll come down there with y'all anyway and yeah. you know hey because i agreed to sign on all of a sudden the spot opened up and now i'm that? getting up the highest paying slot for being there, there so, you, know, works out. you just got to be willing to put yourself out there right yeah gotcha so wwe one more time april it's april the 12th april the 12th that's a wednesday all right all right good deal great night to go out and catch some comedy in the great city of greenville south carolina you are here at the wonderful, uh, previously mentioned Aristocrat on Thursdays and Sundays, correct? That's right. Okay. So Thursdays, we do two open mics. We got a happy hour open mic from 5.30 to 7. And then we've got the late night open mic from 10.30 and until. Yeah. Until they stop serving booze. So, uh, usually it goes till around 1, but I guess it could go to around 2. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's a jazz band that plays in the middle of the night. and free show of, and like you talked about about the very high caliber of jazz musicians that yeah. are in Columbia and a lot of them play right here on this stage um, so um, we kind of sandwich the open mics uh, around uh, the band uh, so it's, yeah good time all night and then, and then on Sunday's a uh, brunch right comedy yep. brunch yep Sunday comedy brunch one to three every Sunday 
um, and just started doing uh, trivia. John Jordan comes oh, and cool. does trivia yeah, at, yeah. every Sunday at four. Oh, nice. So, All right. Yeah. Very good deal. Um, Martina Williams plays the violin before the show also yeah. from 11 to 1. So, you know, I, I saw her playing when I came. That was really cool. Yeah. She played it. So first of all, I, I, I do have to say, and I thought I, I said this on the show after I came here, the, the, fi- the happy hour is a great idea. I mean, you're we are we are just a stone's throw off Main Street in Columbia. All these people getting off work. What a great place to come and get you know meet people for after work for drinks because the room is perfect. You got this divider, so if you want to meet somebody for drinks and you don't want to hear all these jokes, you can easily sit in the other room. But if you do, I mean, what a great place to come and grab a couple of laughs and a couple of drinks yeah. right after work. I, I do think that's a great. I don't know why more people haven't done that. I think that's a really cool idea. Is it hard to get? It's obviously not hard to get comics here because they, I came and the room was full of stand-up. Oh, yeah. Um, like I feel like I've done a really good job of getting uh, comedians in here. and uh, Comedians want to be on stage and they sure. want time. Yeah, yeah. And they like having it on a Thursday. And I was very careful to plan it around the other days that I knew they were going to have access to other the stuff. mics yeah. and tried to give them a day and a time that they otherwise wouldn't. Um, so... Um, yeah, I feel like I've done a really good job of, of bringing them in here, and we've got a show, and now we're just trying to build a an audience full of people that aren't comics to enjoy. To come it. and enjoy, yeah. yeah. I hope that the Irish music picked up on the microphones here, because we, we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, so if, if you do hear the Irish music, I didn't edit it in later. We're actually <laughs> in a bar, and they're playing some great music there, so... Joel, listen, I appreciate you being on the show and sitting down and talking, man. I, I, I think what you do is, is fantastic. I think you do a really good job. Your shows are great. Uh, the comedians that come out, except for that one guy that cut, you know, that cuts the the whole thing. That, that, that never happens, though. I uh, just and Joel, uh, I, Joel, make sure that'll never ever happen again. I've, I've talked to him about it. He he um, he apologized to the person that it happened to, and he has the understanding that uh, that was the only time it's going <laughs> to happen. Ever happened? Yeah, um, I got you. But you know, you get you, you run into some crazy things uh, on the open mic. Um, but as long as people um, are just willing to just have the, some basic human decency and follow those guidelines, you sure. know, and we can usually work something out. That's right. <laughs> well, Joe, you do a great job. Uh, if you're in the Greenville area, please come by and see him on April 12th at the lounge. If uh, you're in the Columbia area, Thursdays and Sundays at the Aristocrat, at least come check out the Aristocrat. But uh, come check out Joel. Uh, he's got the happy hour Thursdays, late night Thursdays as well. One to three brunch on Sundays. Joel, thanks again, man. It's great to have you on the show, bud. Thanks, Jen. Waking up to you ain't easy Knowing you're not really there Another morning guarantees me Another night up in the air Yet another demonstration how easy I'm so tranquilized By some innate fascination And the slight turn of your eyes Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Break my heart, break it twice Third time's a charm Yeah, third time's a charm I want to thank Joel for spending some time with me.
Uh, it's, uh, it's a really cool place. That, that, that place is so neat. It's right for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, downtown Columbia. It's just just like it's just like any downtown city, uh, right near our Capitol building uh, because we're the capital of South Carolina. There's a there's a great area just north. It's our Main Street area, and, and then there's a uh, if you look at it like an upside down T. You've got the Vista, which is the bottom part of the T that runs right in front of the State House, and then you've got Main Street, which goes away from the State House. And the aristocrat is just off to the left, off of Main Street, which is like exactly where I, like my favorite places in the world always are. Just a little off between the two places everybody's going. And it's great because the parking there is 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 awesome. I also went, when I met Joel for lunch, we went and, and I went in, had a sandwich, talked to him for a little bit. And you know, going out nowadays costs you like, like $45. For like a, a a soda, I don't know, I don't drink soda, but but still, we may not have had sodas, but still, um, it was great. It was, it was price great, good food. Cannot thank the aristocrat enough. It's such a cool place and great bartenders. Can't I, seriously, some of the best I found in Colombia. They are awesome. I think one of them even got up and did stand up last time I was there. I think I'm pretty sure. I can't. I can't quite remember. Such a cool story. You know, one of the things that, that when I talk to people uh, with the music that we do, um, shout out to Don Merkel, by the way, if you're new to the show. That's the guy that does all of our music. Uh, go check him out, donmerkel.com. New stuff coming out soon. At least some pictures. He's got pictures up. So something must be coming. Something must be brewing. We're always the last people to find out here. Whenever uh, people ask me about music, one of the things they'll say is like, you know, is it easy to just pick it up? <laughs> it's like, no. No, nobody, even even the musicians that pick up music easily have to practice. There's there's stuff that they have to do. It just flow. Oh, I just one day picked up the guitar and it just all flowed out from me. Like it had been waiting forever for me to meet this one instrument. My life laid out in front of me. No, it's not. it's not like that at all. There's a lot of practice that goes into it. And it is funny. I asked that question, and it, it, I'll tell you this. It's one that infuriates me when people when people talk about it. They're like, you know, I see how hard, like, people take improv classes, and they're always doing that. Is it, is it just a lot nicer just to do stand-up? So you have no idea. I have an easier time sometimes writing songs than I do bits for stand-up. Because there's so much about stand-up that you that is it's observation, and then it's rewriting, and then it's that thing that every artist deals with, doubt, and you want to ball it up and throw it away. And if you look at your notebook, there's so many lines through stuff that you've gone back and rewritten because it actually worked, and then you tell it in front of the wrong audience, and oh my God, I'm going back to the drawing board. I should have never done this ever. These emotions e exist, and they will drive you crazy. Whenever you try to do something artistic, I don't care what you do. If you're trying to learn a new instrument, if you're going to a pottery class, that you will experience some level of that, I promise you. It's just part of the human condition. But when people talk about <laughs> it's like it's like they all know that the community college has got all these classes for people that want to do improv. There was this huge rush on it like in the early 2000s. I've never don't throw your tomatoes at me. I've never been a fan of of improv now i like watching comedians stand around and and improvise things but that whole hey we're gonna get on stage and improvise a sketch has not been for 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, Whose Line Is It Anyway is a great show. I, I I absolutely love some of that stuff. You, I'm not saying I hate it, but it's never been the thing that's really impressed me in comedy. It's not what impresses me the most. It's because every time I meet any comedian, I don't care who they've been, they all work like like crazy at their craft. Because their job is to elicit one emotion and one emotion only. That's it. You if you if you get the guy if you get the whole crowd crying, it doesn't matter. That's not what you are there to do. You know, you're an artist. You're playing music. You can have people run the gamut of of everything you want them to do. Comedian, you got one man. We want one thing, and we want it done now. And it's tough. I love his story about the guitar. And the idea that he was going to go to Dragon Con. So I, I love, it's, uh, there's, uh, there's a there's a whole part of nerd culture that I've always been a part of. If there's still some followers from TMS and all that, the the, the great godfather Scott Johnson that was on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, if you if you are you know there's a huge very friendly culture that goes to things like Dragon Con they and they go for reasons because there's probably some actors or or, or maybe there's some video game they're all into and they're gonna have booths and you get to meet these people and all that kind of stuff and this takes place in Atlanta every year but I've got friends that go to Dragon Con I've never been it was Justin Robert Young I think was married there but I've got friends that go every year and they um. They're really big into the cosplay thing. They love it. It's just their jam. So this is a jam-packed event. So when you go to one of these events, you're really going, after you've been a couple of times, just to see the people you've you've met from before. To think that this cat was going to have his first experience on one of the, probably the largest stage he would have in his life. And until he gets to where um, Chappelle is opening for him, which I'm sure is there for Joel somewhere. The, the 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 guts to say that's what I'm gonna I'm going to shoot and I'm going to shoot but you know what I've been working really hard on this I better go down to the art bar and just just give this a shot just to see if maybe my jokes don't land and it's not about the jokes landing because if you're in front of a crowd that big yeah you want the big joke but I promise you somebody's gonna laugh but it was the other things the guitar doesn't work the I, I haven't thought this through uh I didn't bring the music or the music's not pulling up right and, and stuff that anyone who's ever done a gig ever knows the gremlins can catch you hell i even have them here in this studio which is part of the reason part of the reason why this podcast is coming out late this week it can happen and it doesn't matter how much preparation you put into something sometimes it just gets you but but experience will tell you the things to watch out for. Sometimes experience isn't as much of a success. A lot we, we do that so often. We really think that experience is success. I blame it on our 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 interview culture in our employment world. All your quote unquote success is on this sheet of paper. And and one of the things that I'll tell people if I if I'm really feeling the company and really liking who I'm, I'm interviewing with, one of the things I'll tell them is like I've got some other things though you should know that are better stories and will answer that question. But I, I I need you to understand they're not my highlights, they're my lowlights, and they're on this. But they taught me this lesson. And as someone who has managed other folks before in the past, that's an, that's an important aspect. It, it, it comes out a lot, and I don't mind. Uh, being a little gutsy because you know what? If you don't like that, I'm probably not the guy to come work for your company anyway. Um, but we do. We equate ex- 
experience only with successful experience. No, you, you have to know what to do when the waves get rocky. Not everything's always a lovely cruise, right? <laughs> those cats that those cats that broke out of that prison. If they ever break out again, I'll tell you the thing that they probably are going to change. Maybe wait on food, but certainly change the clothes. I mean, if you can get to the IHOP, can you you probably passed a couple of stores you could have busted in or something. I mean, you're criminals. You know how you just broke out of a maximum security prison. You can't break into a Walmart. Come on. You you can find a way to get into that that Walgreens or that Rite Aid and steal whatever they've got on the shelves. They're probably not going to notice that the old school Panama Jack shirt is, is it's a little too chilly in Virginia for that right now. They, 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 but they're going to notice the orange jumpsuit with Corrections Institute on the back, and it's not Halloween. Why don't you do that? Why don't you why don't you plan on breaking out on Halloween? experience the best experience comes from failures I, I i will always wholeheartedly believe that however that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with a price but what good thing do you know is actually free oh man anything worth doing is going to be tough Anything worth doing is going to be hard, and it's going to cost. And anything you get, the best lessons are going to be the hardest ones to learn. Sometimes I hear people talk about um, comedians, and and th- this is the, this is a thing. When I've talked with comedians, not here in South Carolina, but but outside of the Southeast, probably mostly up around New York, there is a contention that if you haven't gone through the the crap, if you haven't graduated from the school of hard knocks, if you haven't put in your time, then you're not going to be that good of a comedian. I get that, and I understand where that philosophy comes from. I don't necessarily agree with it. Maybe this is anecdotal, but I would present a guy like Joel. He, he's been doing it for a year and a half. I'm going to tell you right now, and I know you're taking my, my word on this, go see him at the Aristocrat. Joel is really good. Joel is very good. He is very confident in what he says. You can see that it's in his speaking style, but his jokes are really funny. He's a he's a very funny writer. And 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 when you see a combination of that, you know, people will look at that and say, well, you know, I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. We also forget where experience can come from. A lot of comics I know are terrible public speakers. I got a guy over here, Joel, that's been one almost his whole damn life. He's, he's spoken in some of the most boring stages you've ever spoken in. He knows how to keep a room warm. And I'm not saying it because I need you to go out there and prove this to anybody. I just want those of you to know that, that are taking this year, you know, there's a lot of people that now that w- the world is kind of opened back up, there's still more things that are there. I'm finding that people are wanting to. Have you seen how many music um, festivals are popular more than I've ever seen. More than every time I turn around, everybody's into it. There's a couple of reasons for that, by the way. Uh, your song plays on Spotify 15 million times, you get 15 cents, right? I don't think even that. I don't think you even get that. So there's a lot of money in performances. Plus, people want to see them. Have you seen what they're paying Taylor Swift for these days? And while that's egregious and, quite frankly, obnoxious, 
there there's there's a lot of other bands that people will pay good money to go see. People want to get back out there. And I think what we're seeing now is people are, are getting back to where they want to participate, which I love. So you see people trying new things. I'll see there's usually somebody at a at an open mic that's never tried it before. And and not just not just comedy, music, anything like that. And I love seeing that. That's great. If there's something that you want to try, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new hobby, maybe it's a side gig, maybe it's something with your kids, there's going to be failures and successes. There's going to be things that you need to do, and you need to put the time in before. But you need to understand that the failures and doing all that will do two things for you. They'll make you better, and they'll give you different material and different ideas. I'm telling you, the best ideas came out of failures. I, I, I talked with a guy this week that they had. This wasn't, isn't necessarily a failure, but it, it, it underscores my point a little bit. How many times can I stutter? Holy crap. It's like I was running through the, you know, the, the thing that football players do, the little tires that they do. What in the world was I just doing there? Man, this, yeah, I'm professional at this podcasting thing. There's this company that they created a device for runners or hikers or something like that, that if all of a sudden you needed help, you push this button and help could come to you. And, it, it seemed like a really cool idea. People weren't buying into it because they normally take their phone with them, but you know they're trying to convey that the the emergency nature and the way this works. It's a pretty cool idea. Well, they found after they talked to this lady that was a nurse who did home health that oh my god, I go in and out of homes every day. This would be great for me to have because sometimes I'm in situations that I don't think are very safe and I have to excuse myself out of it. And suddenly that what they found was that they were about to give up on this device and there's an incredible market that greatly needs what they have. While that's not necessarily a failure, what their original target was, which it's still not a bad idea for those, but their original target wasn't buying it, but a vertical market found it. Oh, my God, there you go. Your vertical markets are out there. Your ideas have have other pathways that they may want to go. There may be uh, some greater force that's steering you one way or another. Sometimes just let it flow. Don't fight it. Do your best, try whatever you can, and then look around and see how you did. Use that as a roadmap for where you're going next, and then just keep repeating the process. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at where you could find yourself. Maybe, maybe even headlining at Dragon Con. I mean, a guy can only dream. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab, but if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. I know you better than you think you know yourself. You're not so different.